0: All right. Practices that enhance quality of life and human conditions. I first map, or the atlas, of the human condition, of the human entity. Who am I? Who are you? Why is it sometimes unreasonable, emotional? Why is it sometimes one is generous, some other sometimes one is not? Where is the steadiness? and so on and so on. So before we enter into quality of a could, each one of you have this map. Could you get it out? Yes. Oh. Always go back to it. You will be able to make sense out of a situation or a dynamics or an event. You find on the left hand side of that box I have demarcated that as the beginning of childhood. And the extreme right hand side is the end of life on this Earth, or your life or my life, departure. Under that box you find I put the person. Do you see that? Two arrows. So that is the person. That is who you are. That is who I am. In basic, if you like, factors or in basic, if you like, patches of energy forms or in entities. Now, if you go back to the top part of the rectangle, you find on the left, I've made it fairly dark in color. And then it becomes lighter and lighter. And on top of that, there are these two arrows that bend. One of them is called conditioned consciousness. And the other one is so called soul consciousness. If you get this concept, you will progress very fast in knowing which part of you is dictating what to you. Conditioned consciousness is you, I, he, she, the flower, the dog, the donkey, all of this is conditioned. Conditioned meaning it is no longer pure. Electricity is pure electric power. And once it becomes a bulb, or a fan, or a heater, or a this, or a that, it becomes conditioned. The origin of them all is the same as power. If you like, pure consciousness. It's an energy, all right? Once it manifests, it becomes conditioned. You can call it also local. You can call it limited. That's all. The origin of it is not local, not limited, not subject to time and space, and not that definable. Define for me electric power. You can say, yes, it's a movement of electrons. It has voltage. It has amperage. But these are indicators. Yeah. Whereas you can say the bulb gives m- light, but also has a bit of heat. And it has a life duration and so on. So it's conditioned. So all of us are conditioned consciousness. Now, As we grow towards maturity, we have more and more access to our soul consciousness, our higher consciousness, or our pure consciousness. And there I deliberately put a, a long space of overlap, which I call spiritual maturity. Now this can come fairly on in life, young, when you are still young, if you are questioning, if you are endowed with that ability and the environment to question what life is about, or, or if you are like a long-suffering uh, Pakistani lady, probably when you are in your 50s, 60s, and so on, you are given a bit of a chance to question <laughs> as to what it is all about, or whatever. Or if you are a Western man, you never m- have that opportunity ever, or whatever. So. Spiritual maturities, you can't say which age at what time. You would find many young people in their teens are desperate to experience divine justice. They are very revolutionary. But the parents and education and whatever, we clamp it. And then maybe when we are a bit older, 40, 50, 60, we come back again and say, look, what is the purpose? Why is there so much injustice? why is there so much cruelty in life and so on and so on, and so on. Yeah. but if you talk to most young teenagers you find them very lively in these matters they find it's unjust why are we treating the servants like this why is this all out of balance it's not it's not fair it's not etc you know, etc cetera, et cetera. so spiritual maturity is not easily peggable to an age And in truth, it continues forever. Nobody can say, now I'm spiritually mature. You know, it carries on. It may have reached a peak, then it slows down because you have reached a stage in wisdom or in age, whatever, that there isn't much you can add. You know, you've reached a plateau. Then the end of that line is adulthood. Adulthood. Now, inside that box, I have given you a lot of subtitles, each one of which we can spend a great deal of time and exposition, but you yourself can speculate, reflect upon, and discover. Each one of us, is we have within us our ego or our self. And every self is different from anybody else's self. And every self is different every day, every hour. Then we have the outer senses. If you have access to a book called Journey of the Self, you will benefit a lot in learning these. The outer senses, we spend a lot of time in trying to make them sharp, healthy, usable, calibrate them, whether it's the eye, whether it is the skin, whether it is all of that. Then, of course, we have the inner senses. You see, the inner senses I have put in more detail, because they are more important, under the box on the right-hand side. Under the box on the right-hand side, you find inner senses. You need to dwell upon that. And each one of these, you can truly think about, reflect upon, discuss for days, until you find the full story. For example, the unifying sense. What is that? You know, we take the senses for granted that I can hear and I can touch. But we have never thought that there is something within me that connects these two. Because where is that connecting point? It's within me lies a faculty which. Tells me what I'm seeing is the connected with what I'm hearing. Or what I'm smelling is connected with what I have just heard the pot has dropped in the kitchen. The unifying sense in us is the most important faculty which we never think about even. The second issue there is the imaginal. Everything in this life is based on this lens. It's called khayaj. It's a wonderful world. There are books written on the the Mondas Imaginalis. If you look at any books on Ibn Arabi, on Mullah Sadra, on, 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 a great deal. And that famous uh, Swedenborg. So much has been written on this. This is what a baby hasn't got yet. A two month old baby has not yet got. (coughs) The imaginal sense is not imagination, it is another faculty. It is the faculty that makes me realize that this is solid or cushy or this or that. It is actually what makes us able to live in this world. If you don't have this, you're just in the world of energies. You are in the Alam al Malakut. You cannot be in Mulk. You will not get it. That is why a major disturbance mentally brings about a a major shift and shake that people cannot relate to this world properly. And all kinds of sicknesses and deviations and, if you like, abnormalities (laughs) set in. So this inner faculty is the imaginal. And then with it comes value assigned to Things or places, you know. A value assigned to, please make yourself comfortable. (laughs) The value, maybe you're more comfortable there, whatever. It is the waham. It's what we suffer a lot from. They did not honor me. I was not appreciated. They didn't respect me. Or waham, what you think is suitable, sensible, color. Uh, you know, this is ni- you say this is nice and this is not nice. And, and so on and so on. It is, it is your personal preference, which can change in time also. It's waham. The most important teaching for, for the Sufi teachers is that. Change your waham. In one of the diwans we sing is This is what you wanted, you thought it was very important, say so it's not important. Changing habits. You thought it was very important to have your tea at 9 o'clock? Don't have tea. It was important for you not to fast fast or whatever. Change it. So as you bring about a flexibility to the spiritual side of you, Not for the baby side, because the childhood requires regularity. And that is how a child begins to understand the meaning of trust. What is trust? It's like optic nerves of a cat. If a cat has got its eyes as it is born, um, if you like, closed, it will not, after four or five days, it will never be able to develop its optic nerve. Finished. If a baby, for the first two, three years, has never had acknowledgment of a trust, or when it's w- cried, not been responded to or th- have not, we'll never know what trust is. And most other ethical, moral things that we take for granted develop in that early, early, early babyhood, including in the womb. In the womb and the first two, three years. That is why it is the most crucial responsibility for the mother during those early formative times. Certainly in the last 10-15 years it's become commonly known that every sound is picked up by the fetus. So make sure there are no noises, make sure there are no anger, make sure there is no, the mother's mood is reflected. Anyway, so this is all to do with that early growing up, and how we develop these wahams, some of which are difficult to get rid of later. And then the hafidah, which is memory, and then mutakhayilah, mutakhayilah is to do with imaginal. is, is what most of us think, Mo- when we think, we're not thinking, it's mutakhayilah. So I see something, I refer it to my memory, so oh, this is, I've seen before, it's called probably flower, but I'm not sure if it smells or not. And it has certain color. So, this is so, I think it is a flower. And it may smell. And it may last for two days. Whatever. The last is the most important one. And that is متفكرة. See, I try to do away with the Arabic terms so as we make this available for every culture. And this is all the foundation of the teachings in the Academy of Knowledge, which takes probably two to three years to go through. But I'm trying to give you the whole thing in 45 minutes, knowing how intelligent people you are and how busy you are, and also for me then to catch up with sitting joyfully in the garden. So m- cognition, متfekre, are similar but they are very different in that is when I refer to my memory, is when I'm actually referring to the higher in me, which is my soul. So to come back to that uh, uh, box, on the left-hand extreme corner, it's a child, it's a baby born. As it grows by that growth, I'm talking about the arrow in the middle, expansion of consciousness, maturity, wisdom, and awareness. Have you got that arrow? every one of us is growing in maturity and consciousness. We have had experiences, we have had this, we have (coughs) had troubles, until you more or less reach what I have drawn there as a heart. Now, again, take it from me that it is your heart that is the home of your soul. And the soul, in other cultures, is referred to as a spirit. But here we talk about it, just for the time being use that as a standard reference, soul. Now, the self is emotional, is flaky, is childish, grows, 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 until we call it the rational self. And that is why you have this little semicircle, rational self in the heart. So in terms of being awakened, or enlightened, or Uh, If you like, uh, spiritually uh, wholesome or mature, what you and I can do is to take our rationality, our sense of reasoning, our worldly wisdom as far as we can and then we see from there on we get inspiration, we get intuition, we begin to see actually perfection. That's as far as you and I can do. You can't do more than being sensible, reasonable, rational, serving, giving, helping. Until such time, you begin to see this world of ours is connected with another zone beyond us That is got far quicker in response, far more efficient in its laws, far more powerful. That is where heavens and earth meet. As simple as that. The whole business of this existence is to make heavens and earth meet. So for that reason, we hold sacred these sites which we think heavens and earth had actually given us evidence that they had met. Whether it is Mecca or whether it is Jerusalem or whether it is this mountain or that, the so-called sacred places, sacred spaces. It is we know that the unseen and the seen were inseparable. Where Nabi Allah Musa had that amazing interaction with the infinite, with Allah and so on and so forth. So going back to that uh, rectangle, this entity is in the box, which is my body, which is the I and the U also these elements of the air water fire and earth and of course space. None of these four entities from the past for thousands of years they used to be called elements. Now those of us who have done elementary chemistry we think no the elements are different they are this and hydrogen and so on so we call them entities but I at this moment the previous day tomorrow have to accept my composition to contain these four elements. And they need to be in balance. That's why also in cooking and in basic health you want to balance the hot food with the cold food and so on. And the too dry with the too not too wet. You need to be balanced, balanced, balanced. Yin yang, you know. So these are the elements where the composition of entities materialize. Underneath the left-hand part of the square, I have also listed for you that we are made of minerals. And then higher than that is the vegetative side in us. And higher than that is the animal side in us. All of the animals, in a sense, are within our psyche. That is why we can understand them. If the cat, the way it licks its kitten, if that pattern was not in me, I would not understand that now the cat is expressing affection, reassuring its kitten. Equally, I understand when the kitten has grown to be bigger than the mother and comes and eats the food of the mother, the same mother bites the head of the kitten, (laughs) tells it off. These patterns are in us. So we are essentially made of these entities, air, water, fire, and earth, and all the minerals in us. That's why in Ayurvedic medicine and other medicines also, they prescribe for the patient occasionally some of these minerals in one form or, or another, you know, to take, because they it's considered as out of balance or it will reduce this or it's all about balancing, 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 Now then also we have got the bestial side in us. You know, there is all of, most of the animals that have got that side very prominent and, and the predatory side in us. These two uh, categories are often equated in our culture with the powers of attraction and repulsion. And uh, the predatory part, we all want to attract. Give it to me. Me, 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 I, I. And it's often being symbolized as the lion devoured. And the other one is the dog, the dog, is bark, you know. repulsion. Go away. Attract, repulse, attract. You cannot exist, not a second passes without you and I are exercising these two powers. It's like a steering wheel. One goes this way, the other way. You and I want to attract goodness, and we want to repulse what we consider to be bad at that moment. But what was bad yesterday may be just the right remedy for me now, and vice versa. So you must understand the dynamics. Otherwise, that's why we cannot enter into this, what are the practices that enhance the quality of life? Anybody gives you their opinion. We don't want opinion. We want something that is usable, reproducible, repeatable, shareable, you know. So that's why you must understand these two powers of attraction and repulsion. And they have been elaborated a bit more. Look at the square again. Left-hand side of the square, go underneath it. Basic drives. I've tried to elaborate it for you there. It's called power of attraction. Now, If the power of attraction can bring, the bring about Indulgence. Opposite it is modesty. So I'm naturally indulgent. But with wisdom, with suffering, I say, no, thank you. It's enough. So modesty comes in. Then meanness is is part of the power of, if you like, attraction, because I want to keep it. You know, really, all of us have so many. Maybe you're more comfortable here. How our cupboards, you know, full of things and we don't know who to give it to and all of that. You see. That's why there are Oxfam. You know, it's the largest uh, non-profit organization in Europe. Yeah. You know, so because of that. So it is, keep it with me. Now, the opposite of that is generosity. Then, with this power of attraction, me, 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 comes also extravagance. and <laughs>